Welcome to the first episode of Talk Luthier to Me. We are your hosts, Nathan and Robin, and we are here to discuss all things Luthery. Today, we will take the time to cover a few topics related to the world of Luthery. So let's get started. Let's get started. Okay, so tell us who you are, Nathan. Absolutely. I am Nathan Richardson. I am a luthier. I operate Personal Luthier, which is a full-service guitar, fretted instrument, repair, consultation, fitting company. And I also run Richardson Effects, which specializes in onboard and enclosed effects for guitar and bass. And so that is what you do. They answered my next question. Uh, how long have you been doing Luthery and effects? Unofficially 20 years. I completed my education in this in 2006, so that would be 18 years ago that I have formally been doing it. Cool. Well, thank you for telling us about you. And uh, let's get into what exactly Luthery is. So Luthery is the field of fretted instrument repair, building, restoration. And depending on who you ask or how we look at it, it may also include non-fretted instruments, uh, those from the violin family, etc., but generally, and for my work, it involves guitar family instruments, mostly. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me the difference, or tell us, excuse me, the difference between a guitar tech and a luthier? Yeah. So the word luthier comes from a French conjugation for the word lute. It literally means to make lutes. And there aren't any big box loot stores that we can go to. Uh, it's shifted a bit since the term was first applied. And luthiers, as a result of that title, tend to be individuals uh, such as myself who work more on the design, the development, and the building of fretted instruments, guitar family instruments specifically. Some folks do also work with mandolins, banjos, other fretted folk instruments, uh, ukuleles, for example, mm. and things of, of that nature, mostly instruments with frets and strings. Guitar techs tend to be people who are more focused on the repair or even the restoration side of things. And within the label of guitar tech, you can have bench technicians who work at an individual store or out of their own shop, yeah. or you can have road technicians who tend to tour with one or more specific artists or musical groups and work to service their instruments ahead of and after performances to make sure that the instruments are at peak playability and reliable uh, at a given venue or even at a given recording studio for uh, session work, etc., things like that. So that's within the guitar tech nice. okay. uh, definition. Really, the difference between the two is often a bit less black and white in real life 
but generally luthiers tend to build and guitar techs tend to focus on repair, restoration, maintenance, conservation work, although both terms have definitely been used interchangeably. Yes, and it sounds like luthiers are a bit more um, maybe settled in a shop and a guitar tech maybe more uh, on the road or maybe in a big box store or because they're doing mostly repairs and restoration. Yeah. And then, yeah, if you want something built, you want to go to a luthier? That's fair to say. Now, that's also not to diminish or exclude uh, the people who work and identify themselves as guitar techs who heavily modify instruments. Mm -hmm. One of the beauties of the modern electric guitar is how interchangeable so many parts and components are. And you can start with a fairly stock instrument and really, with the help of somebody who doesn't necessarily identify themselves as a builder, um, replace things like the nut, the saddles, the tuning machines, the pickups, uh, even modifying the way the electronics work, perhaps Mm -hmm. adding a vibrato tailpiece where there wasn't one, and really end up with a unique one-of-a-kind instrument. So there's, again, a lot of gray area there. And as well, too, luthiers, uh, there's an image, especially with that term specifically, of folks who work independently in one shop by themselves, uh, perhaps producing guitars under their name exclusively. It would also be fair to say that people building for larger companies or as part Mm -hmm. of a collective um, would also be luthiers Mm -hmm. would be Mm -hmm. guitar makers that's the modern term for this is guitar maker guitar builder Uh, luthier again because it's a conjugation from another language tends to be a little less clear about what what it actually does so luthier is more of the official word and a guitar maker is more people speak people speaks a good way to put it if (laughs) I tell somebody that I'm a guitar maker or a guitar builder. It's... There's absolute clarity there. Yeah. And as you know, and as we'll get into, um, I'm big on the clarity in the language around the guitar. Using the term luthier, while is an industry term, while a lot of people know it and understand it, does also come with some confusion around well what exactly does that mean yeah i've heard everything from i didn't know you were so religious (laughs) mistakening the word for lutheran Lutheran. yeah or uh, asking when the looter will be back and it's it's nobody's um it's nobody's fault or uh, error in that sense it's just a word that we don't use often yeah so i'm of the belief if you can Identify yourself as a guitar maker or a guitar technician. Please do so. As if I can say personally, I've never heard of Lutheran until I met you. And I had not <laughs> heard of it until I started studying it. Yeah, and that's actually what we're going to move on to. What made you get into Lutheran? The guitar itself, in as short of answer as possible, really drew me in. As you know, I've always been fascinated with the way things work, how things come together. And from a very early age, starting to play the guitar myself, I began to find I had all these questions about how it worked, how it went together. 
it just amazed me that somebody had thought up this idea to place the frets in this location and cut out a body that was in a certain shape. And just the way all of these things came together seemed like pure alchemy to me. And very quickly, I began starting to... I started playing electric guitar before acoustic and mm -hmm. having plenty of screws on the guitar and a curiosity and screwdrivers. Sure. <laughs> I very quickly began turning them or removing them to see what would happen. And that was one of the first things that drew me into it. And then my first decent electric guitar had a tuning machine that uh, fell apart on me one day, just restringing it, just completely, the gears stripped out and it completely collapsed. And I had the opportunity to bring it to a local shop. And I remember going down into the basement of this music store. When you walked in, it was, it was like being in that kid in a candy store, just every kind of guitar shape and color I could imagine. Uh, I thought I had stepped into heaven for mm. a moment, really. Yeah. And I'm directed down into the basement of this music shop. I meet the technician. I show him my guitar. And in five minutes or so, he locates a approximate replacement, one that fits. It's not identical, but it fits. Installs it, restrings it, and writes up an invoice. And my teenage mind was absolutely blown. <laughs> I had never seen anything like this. And the prospect of being able to uh, provide this kind of service just really fascinated me. Okay. And I, I think that's really what drew me into it in the first place. So that's when your life changed. Yeah. 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 That, that was yep. a, a turning point. Any any other uh, prospects of anything else you decided to do that kind of shifted you into, yeah, being a player and and just really understanding the guitar, the ins and outs of it, and yeah, I I think as a player and somebody who again has this natural fascination with how things go together. For example, I had once heard that the recipe for a great guitar is wood, steel, and magic. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely believe that there's some truth to that. And, yeah, seeing that it wasn't by any alchemy or sorcery that the tuning machine on my teenage electric guitar had been replaced, but that it was something that you could do with proper tools and training, yeah, that really drew me into it. And I began working more and more on my own guitar. I actually took it upon myself to attempt to refinish it at one point, attempt being the operative word. Yeah. And, yeah, just really uh, seeing that there were things I could do to the instrument to change it and that that would have a beneficial or interesting effect to how I could play it. So you were a bit self-taught, and then you went and got professionally trained, is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. I started out basically reading whatever information I could find, be it books at the library or okay. online resources. Uh, this is the early 2000s, so yeah. they were a bit limited at that point. And there was another local shop 
where uh, that individual was very generous in letting me basically look over his shoulder while he worked on my instrument and yeah, others nice. and answered questions I had. And then it was probably 2005 where I had found an actual school that specialized in my first love, the electric guitar, and offered a 12-week immersive program where I would build a guitar and also learn all aspects of repair. And that was the spring of 06. I spent a semester there mm -hmm. and really, it was six days a week from 10 to 6. And then on the seventh day, I was doing laundry and studying. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> uh, so that, that was really the, the second turning point was deciding to take the plunge, yeah. to use the cliche, nice. and study it that way. And following that, I had an opportunity to, I was fortunate enough to find employment, uh, not some sort of more traditional unpaid apprenticeship, mm -hmm. but an actual paid employment position at a very established repair shop yes. in, uh, in Massachusetts. Need that. Yeah, and that's, that's very good. Yeah, that yeah. was... We all got to eat. <laughs> we do. It, it was, uh, I say this because along with the term luthier, comes a bit of nostalgia for an older model of uh, craft and artisanship. Yeah. And along with that often comes this notion that you would learn, you'd study in some formal training, such as the one I had taken, mm -hmm. and then you would have a period of apprenticeship where you would study under one individual at no compensation, that you would spend a period of three months, mm. six months, a year or more, and you would watch them perform repairs right. or maybe do some restringing, help sell some instruments, sweep the sh shop floors <laughs> or... Yes. And um, <laughs> I, was, I was fortunate enough to uh, skip that part. Yeah, really and, some hands-on and, and yep, yeah, really just getting in there. Really. That's so... Um, even though professional training is a, a road to go, can one really, you know, design their own path in Luthery? Can they, you know, teach themselves? There's so many videos available or readings and really getting into it. And yeah, like that's also an option too, not having to go away to school. I think it could be an option. I think I'd be hard pressed to say one way or the other. Yeah. Just because that wasn't my experience, yeah. that at the time I was going, there were a large number of Luthery programs mm -hmm. across the country specializing in different things. Uh, schools, even using the term loosely, yeah. uh, repair shops that offered lessons in repair and other mm. things ah. as a way of diversifying their business model. Nice. In the same way that you might have a music store that also offers lessons, lessons. on how to play the guitar. Right. Or sells cases or instrument polish, things like that. Yeah. That my experience was start learning on your own, develop a familiarity with how things go together and operate, and then take the plunge into a formal program where there's expectations. I did two dozen refrets mm. in 12 weeks. I soldered and re-soldered countless pick guards, uh, memorized wiring diagrams, things like that. Yeah. Actually had a curriculum. Yeah. 
I think it's possible to teach yourself. I've met many people who have, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some of the folks I've met who've done this don't consider themselves luthiers or even guitar techs. I can think of one individual okay. I knew who basically was buying beat-up guitars from the flea market or the thrift store and then uh, donating them. Yes, fixing it, yeah. so they would get in there and... Yeah, yeah the, nice. this person would basically buy a beat-up acoustic guitar and re-glue the bridge, clean up the frets, and restring the instrument and donate it to a local charity, a church, a non-profit, yeah, something nice. like that. And uh, this person didn't identify as a luthier or a technician, and because they were primarily working with acoustics... I'm confident to say that they would have probably called somebody for electronics issues, sure. just being outside of their yeah. uh, expertise. So it is possible to teach yourself some of it. Yeah. I think it's a long road to learn all of it. And I can say even after 20 years with the instrument, any innovations aside, just at its core elements there's still plenty to learn always need to learn no matter what we do we're always yeah always having to be open because things change they do things change or things end they do sometimes old ways don't work anymore and it's time yeah. for new things so that is pretty cool and that was my idea that if i wanted to become a luthier that i'm thinking okay i would find maybe a lesser cost of a guitar and yeah start kind of pulling it apart and and that's how many folks start yeah and as well too there are many large manufacturers in this country and across the world where if you wanted to learn how to build guitars you could perhaps start in an entry-level position sanding mm -hmm. or helping do some other kind of sure. prep work or final assembly or even just packaging them yeah. into the boxes for shipping and climb your way up a ladder, as it were, within one organization where, yeah, perhaps you start just in the warehouse and then an opening shows up in the finish department and you learn how to sand and finish an instrument. And then a position opens up in the neck department and you learn how to install inlays and do fret work and build within one organization that way. The one underlying common denominator in all of it is a necessity for a certain amount of time, that there's not going to be any one uh, magic recipe that right. ensures, yep, you've learned everything there is to learn about the instrument. There's no shortcuts. There's no workarounds in that sense. So whether it's a school or within one large organization, or like you said, and like I did a bit, yeah. taking your own guitar, and <laughs> you start pulling it apart yeah. and putting it back together and seeing what happens when you turn a screw or disconnect a wire and learning that way, that some time will be required either way. That's some good advice about yeah looking into some of the manufacturers um, yeah, starting off maybe sanding. I think that's some really good advice. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, it's, what does it take to be a luthier? Like, what are some of the you know the ins and outs, the characteristics, the 
you know, the magic or the non-magic? What does it take for one to persevere through it? Well, aside from time, like I just alluded to, is patience. Yes. I think that the craft requires a bit of patience. Openness, I think. A lot of what's required in Luthery, in being a guitar technician or a guitar builder, are a lot of these, I, I think they'd call them soft skills, a lot of these less quantifiable things. If you're interested in eager and care about the instrument, mm -hmm. the woodworking skills to operate a table saw or a joiner or a planer are ones that you can learn. Or learning metalwork, how to operate a lathe or a mill, mm. learning how to fabricate guitar parts. Even guitar-specific things, such as installing frets, yeah. or slotting a new nut, or cutting a new saddle for an acoustic guitar. These are all very specific to the instrument skills that can be learned, and very specific to each individual instrument that one works on. So I can think of countless examples I've had where, yeah, the, the basics for how to set up a guitar, for example, the mm -hmm. adjustments that one makes to ensure the instrument plays at its peak playability, those, that basic formula, that basic recipe of adjusting the neck relief to make sure it is straight enough for the instrument and the playing style yeah. and the player, adjusting the action at the nut where the strings terminate furthest from the body, adjusting the action at the 12th fret, setting the intonation so the whole thing plays in tune, and adjusting any electronics to ensure that they operate as they're intended. That's a very finite formula. Yes. But within each given instrument that one sets up, there will be variations, there will be differences that, as much of a cliche as it is, they are like snowflakes. Yeah. That guitars are definitely different. Yeah. That I can think of an example from my time doing repair work in a big box store where there were two black electric guitars, both with serial numbers within 10 digits of each other, identical in their specifications and appointments that still sounded like entirely different instruments. Mm -hmm. They they were practically copies of one another in as close as you can get with without actually duplicating an instrument. Mm -hmm. And they still sounded dramatically different. Right. So to come back to your question, mm -hmm. patience, curiosity, a passion for the guitar, yeah. a passion for music writ large. Those are the things that I've found it really takes to succeed as a luthier. And the folks that I knew when I was coming into the business almost 20 years ago who have left it didn't leave it because they were bad at it or didn't leave it because they couldn't find parts or materials. My experience has been they've left it because of these soft skills or coming into it with a notion other than what it is. Yes. And the way I describe the work that I do is I make things that make a more musical world. Yes. 
and that on the repair side of things, I'm removing barriers mm -hmm. to the artistic experience. So that way, a guitarist, a bassist, a mandolin player has the shortest distance between the music that they want to make and having that out in the world to be heard. Right, and it's um, you were mentioning soft skills, and uh, it's it's customer service based, client service based, and that yes, people are handing over precious instruments to you, and sometimes they go a little while without them, depending on the work. So it's very, it can be. Um, I would think it. I'm fortunate to live with my luthier. Yep. So I don't have to go without a guitar, or you know, some people do. I see. Uh, guitars come in and knowing, you know, it may take a few weeks that they're without that guitar. So hopefully they have a backup or, yeah, they're able to, I guess, find something else to do while it's yeah. being uh, being repaired or, yeah. Uh, so very, very interesting to know that it can be, um, it's, it is a guitar, it is an object, but it's also, uh, music is, of course, emotional for all of us and, uh, yeah, without our resource to play music, it can be it can be uh, challenging. Absolutely, and that customer service thing is really also at the core of all of the work that I do. Yes, of all of yes. the work that anybody yeah. in the Luthery field does is that it may not feel like customer service in the same way that somebody might oh, sure. work a counter at the mall or something. Right. But it absolutely, absolutely. is. Yeah. And along with those soft skills of patience, having an interest in the instrument, a passion for the work, yeah. is also having a bit of an understanding about people's experiences. Mm -hmm. So to your point about having a guitar, one of the other turning points for me that pushed my interest in Luthery uh, and amplified it, as it were, was that my first electric guitar, the same one that I had uh, the tuning machine repaired on, mm -hmm. had, I believe it was a ground wire that had uh, become disconnected, uh, just shorted out and the signal was choppy, intermittent. And I took it to a different shop because they were closer mm -hmm. and had to wait a week and I called, and they said, mm -hmm. well, it'll be another week. Oh, and yes. it was my only guitar. So, yeah, yeah. at that, at that so point, I, had, I yeah. had to find things to do. And along with this, <laughs> there was also this, um, in that particular instance, it did take two weeks, a week longer than I was originally told. And when I got it back, it still wasn't right. So it took me a total of three weeks to oh get what was what I've since learned is a five-minute repair done and done right. Yeah. So understanding that sort of thing firsthand, and you've seen it uh, even the times I've restrung your guitar. Mm -hmm. You're without a guitar for a few minutes. Few minutes. Sure. Yeah. That understanding that experience firsthand, being a guitar player, and knowing that, yes, being without the instrument does put you in a position. You either have to have a backup instrument or find something else to do. <laughs> uh, I have some folks who have brought their guitar to me before they go on a family vacation. So that way oh. they, yep, I wasn't going to be bringing it with me anyways. I'll be out for two weeks. Take your time. Yeah. Uh, other folks 
need it for a show that Friday and understanding the pressures, the expectations of guitarists, of musicians, and being empathetic to those things. Meeting people where they're at and saying, okay, I understand, like you said, it's an object. It's sure in the most strict sense of things, not... It, it is generally a piece or several pieces of wood that have been assembled together mm-hmm. and strung up to make organized sound. Yep. Guitars, because of that reason, have a resale value, but they also have an emotional value. Guitars spend a lot of time close to our hearts. They do. They do. Yes. And for that reason, it's very easy to yes. develop an emotional attachment to yeah. a given instrument, to one instrument. And, I mean, I can think of that classical guitar that we had owned years ago mm-hmm. that um, we ended up selling to that young boy mm-hmm. um, at a deep discount. Yes. And that you could tell right there... Yes, that I'll never forget that, that look on, um, on his face. Th- yeah. That that exchange went far <laughs> beyond any monetary or musical value that the instrument could have. That was very, very yeah. deeply an emotional, a human experience. That was great. What a what a what a memory. Well, we are reaching the end um, for today. We have many more. Um, Many more content coming up in the near future. And um, did you want to say a couple things before we sign off for today? Yeah, as long as that's it for questions. That's it for today, yes. Great. Anyone who would like can send me questions to be read on the podcast. The email address is personalluthier at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also find us on Instagram at Personal Luthier, or at Richardson Effects. Both of those are also one word. Or you can visit personalluthier.com for more information. The last thing I'd like to add is that our theme music was composed and performed by Ben Lane and J.D. Adams. Yes, and thank you guys for yes. that. That's beautiful. Thank you. I agree. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, J.D. And that's all I had for today. And... Or myself as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode of Talk Luthier to Me. We'll be back next week. Until then. Bye. Bye, everybody.